Welcome to CME on ReachMD. This activity entitled, The Future is Now, Latest Surgical Techniques for Anti-VEGF Delivery, is provided by Prova Education. Prior to beginning the activity, please be sure to review the faculty and commercial support disclosure statements as well as the learning objectives. New implantable technology that provides prolonged delivery of anti-VGF therapy is now available. Uh, with it comes a new surgical technique for vitreoretinal surgeons. So how do we ensure a successful procedure? This is CME on ReachMD. I am Dr. Fernando Revel, and joining me for today's discussion is Dr. Lloyd Clark. Welcome to the program. Fernando, thank you so much for having me. What a pleasure. First, uh, Lloyd, to get started, Tell us about the poor delivery system, the PDS. How is it implanted? Well, first of all, the, the PDS is really a transformative technology. It's the only FDA-approved system for extended drug delivery uh, for retinal diseases. In this case, a specialized formulation of ranibizumab is, is uh, placed into this uh, implant and then is extruded over a 24-week period. Really a complete game changer in terms of uh, technology uh, available to patients with uh, uh, age-related macular degeneration. Today, we're going to talk mostly about certain about the techniques and the technical aspects of the implant. There is a, a parallel program on the efficacy of the PDS implant by Drs. Regillo and Dr. Baumel that will also be available if you visit iHealthAcademy.org, and I would encourage you to do so. In terms of the surgical steps involved in the implantation, you'll see classically them divided into seven steps. Those steps in general are preparation of the ocular surface, followed by implant preparation and loading the implant with the specialized formulation of ranibizumab, and then construction of the scleral wound, which is critically important in terms of size as well as hemostasis. Once the surgical wound is constructed, then we can place the implant and then the important final step, which is a conjunctival closure. So here's a surgical video of PDS implantation. The wound's already been marked to 3.5 millimeters, and we can see with a straight MVR blade, the surgeon is uh, doing a scleral cut down to create a choroidal bed. Once the choroid is exposed, a critical aspect of the surgery, and one that can't be skipped, is laser photocoagulation of the choroid with an endolaser probe. A little bit different procedure than what we're used to, uh, not used to using an endolaser probe outside the eye, but really takes care of the issue of vitreous hemorrhage very well. The endpoint here is actually return of liquefied vitreous through the, the large pars plane of wound. That's really the clinical endpoint that we look for. From there, you'll use a 3.2 millimeter flat blade to enter and complete the incision of the choroid. From there, you've got a, a prepared surgical wound we take the pre-prepared uh, implant with the customized formulation of ranibizumab and put it into the wound. Once it's inserted into the wound and seated up against sclera, we're then ready to close conjunctiva. And we'll talk about the specifics of conjunctival closure shortly. Really an elegant surgical device with appropriate and, uh, and uh, careful uh, surgical procedures is a real optimal uh, treatment strategy for patients requiring long-term VEGF suppression. Lloyd, this is a very unique procedure. How steep is the learning curve, and what are the pitfalls that we should avoid as surgeons? 
Well, first of all, it's a procedure for retina specialists. And so anyone that's done a, a done good uh, surgical training in vitro-retinal surgery certainly has the skill sets to perform this procedure. Now, that being said, there are some specific aspects of this procedure that are uh, somewhat different than what we do on a regular basis. And most of those center on the handling of the conjunctiva. It's critically important to have very meticulous closure of not only conjunctiva, but also Tenon's capsule in order to have adequate and consistent coverage of the implant. Remembering, you know, that we have these issues of conjunctival retraction and erosion, which have resulted in a boxed warning for the PDS. We had about a three times increased incidence of endophthalmitis in the patients who underwent PDS implant compared to the monthly ranibizumab arm in the registration trials. These increased cases of endophthalmitis have been clearly linked to cases of conjunctival erosion and conjunctival retraction. And so a number of things are important for us to do in order to reduce the risk of conjunctival erosions and contracture. I totally agree. We have to learn from our glaucoma colleagues about management of the conjunctiva and tenons. Exposure, tears, and buttonholes are complications of glaucoma surgery, and their consequences are far greater than their size. They are difficult to treat and can lead to failure of the surgical procedure. Uh, the main reasons for the occurrences are poor visualization and poor instrumentation. Uh, we must learn from our glaucoma colleagues, and it is of utmost importance to handle the conjunctiva gently using non-tooth forceps. The risk of inadvertent buttonholes uh, is greatest uh, in previously operated eyes that have scars in the conjunctiva or scarring in the subconjunctival tissue and patients that have thin conjunctiva. Those are not good candidates for the PDS. In addition, efforts must be uh, taken to avoid the cut edges of the conjunctiva touching the PDS. Fernando, those were all uh, great points. And here's a case to illustrate some of those points. This is a, a case of conjunctival re retraction where initially the uh, closure was not brought up to the limbus. The scleral bites are posterior to the limbus and they don't cover the entire uh, surgical bed. And this gets us off to a bad start in this patient. What we're left with is a gap between the limbus and the uh, pyridomy due to some uh, posterior placed sutures. This gives us laxity to the conjunctival pyridomy. And that laxity, unfortunately, as we follow forward in the next slide, as you can see on your left, this is what the patient looked like at the time of surgery. And just several months later, due to uh, remodeling of the surgical wound, uh, conjunctival inflammation, suture uh, inflammation, we see further contracture of the conjunctiva. Ultimately, this is one of the patients that we did have problems with conjunctival erosion and endophthalmitis. And so this allows us to, to look at these cases and understand that, that meticulous closure, as uh, Fernando described, is critically important. So these points are, are critical as we get started putting in the PDS. For those just tuning in, this is CME on ReachMD. I am Dr. Fernando Revalo. And today, I'm speaking with Dr. Lloyd Clark. We're reviewing the best practices that we as retina surgeons need to use to ensure successful and safe implantation of the port delivery system. Lloyd, let's talk about uh, safety of the PDS. Can the implant be dislocated? 
Well, without a doubt, these uh, implants can be uh, dislocated. We saw a total of six uh, dislocations in the uh, registration trials that got the implant approved by the FDA. Most of these were put in early in the course of the clinical trial. And so we learned some lessons associated with the surgical procedure that we believe will reduce the rate of implant dislocations. The biggest is the importance of wound construction. It's critical that we have a wound no larger than 3.5 millimeters. Five of the six implant dislocations were wounds that were greater than 3.7 millimeters. There was some variance early in the clinical trial that allowed us some variation in, in wound size, but after analyzing these dislocation patients, we found that as a common denominator, which is large wounds. In addition, another important observation that was made during the clinical trials is that five of these six cases had a grayish discoloration around the implant underneath the conjunctiva. And what we believe that is, is exposed toroid. And so, again, Another example of, of clues that demonstrate that the wound is uh, too large. Finally, it seems obvious, but these dislocations don't occur spontaneously. They occur at the time of refill exchange, and that's due to some pressure on the uh, implant. So it's important to make your wounds uh, tight so that the, the implant uh, is well-seated in an appropriate size wound of 3.5 millimeters and also to use a, a, a moderate amount of pressure on the implant uh, because uh, overpressure on the implant can lead to, to a physical dislocation into the vitreous cavity, which is a difficult co uh, complication to manage. Well, now that you mentioned the refill exchange of anti-VGF with the PDS, this is also different. We're not used to it. What can you tell us about that? And what advice can you give your, our audience to make the process go smoothly? You know, I tell people I've done a number of these. I've done about two dozen implants, and I've probably done 75 or so refill exchanges. I think the learning curve is is uh, actually a little more difficult with the uh, refill exchange than the surgery. As long as you're meticulous and follow follow the appropriate steps in the surgical procedure, I'm confident that um, that our colleagues will be able to do this very well. The the refill is a little different. It's 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 more of an art than necessarily a procedure. Some of the important things you need to do, first, you need to have good visualization of the septum, and that, that occurs through uh, uh, conjunctiva and tenons. You, you achieve that with, number one, good lighting, and number two, with magnification. I use a, a, a set of magnified, they're not loop, but magnified um, lighted magnifiers on my head, and, and I don't typically use magnification for intravitreal injections. But for these implants, I think uh, a, a higher level of visualization is of critical importance. Secondly, you've got to have your orientation correct. You need to approach the implant perpendicular to the septum and basically insert the needle directly towards the optic nerve. It's a fairly small area to, uh, to find the septum with the needle. But not only is it small, the, the actual shaft of the implant is quite small as well. So you've got to have a three-dimensional orientation, very accurate prior to engaging the implant with the needle. You can't really engage the needle with the implant and then wiggle your hand too much. You really need to go straight in and straight out. So it takes some uh, experience understanding sort of the three-dimensional relationship of the implant with the eye. Once you get that down, 
It doesn't require a lot of uh, force and becomes a reproducible procedure that's just a little more difficult than an intravitreal injection. But as you get started, it's considerably more challenging than an intravitreal injection, don't you think? Totally agree. Totally agree, Lloyd. As we wrap up, Lloyd, what are your key take-home messages for our audience? Well, first, this is a transformational technology. We've never had anything like this in retina. Uh, It's our first sort of uh, opportunity to really offer extended dosing uh, for patients with a chronic disease, uh, age-related macular degeneration. These patients do just as well uh, with, with the implant as monthly therapy, and so the outcomes are outstanding with significantly reduced treatment burden. What comes with that is a a careful attention to detail with the surgical procedure and a fairly long learning curve with the refill exchange procedure with the needle, but with practice and patience and collaboration with your retina community and those who uh, teach the procedure, I think it's really gonna offer our patients a tremendous opportunity, a new treatment strategy that for some patients will be of tremendous uh, benefit and preference. I will add that the PDS is a game changer. It will change the way we treat our patients with wet age-related macular degeneration. Uh, I think we have to learn from our glaucoma colleagues to handle the conjunctiva very gently. And with that, uh, we're out of time. I'd like to thank our audience for listening in and thank you, Lloyd, for joining me today. It was a great discussion. You've been listening to CME on ReachMD. This activity is provided by Prova Education. To receive your free CME credit or to download this activity, go to reachmd.com slash Prova. Thank you for listening.